You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, met fellow adventurers. I'm now back in the Goblin Clawing to the Common Room Adventures for this location, the Ashen Faces. The ashen pallor of his countenance and the hollowness behind his weary gaze mirrors the haunting look you witnessed only a few days ago. Start the adventure. Embark on it. Your, your early morning arrival in the common room the Goblin Core Inn is met by a flustered and wary-looking Grudsmill. The innkeeper appears to be worried by something and beckons at once for you to follow him. You oblige him and are promptly led to a room at the back of the inn where a young man is lying on the floor on a thickly stuffed straw mattress. The young man's face, which is bathed in sweat, has, has a ghastly, pale, pale pallor. His fire face, face trembles as his eyes slowly stretch open. He appears to take notice of you standing over his makeshift wet bed and manages a brief smile. Before the young man can attempt to speak, Gruntsmill pulls you aside and speaks to you in a hushed but earnest tone. Wandered in here last night, says the innkeeper, turning to glance at the young man, who begins to attempt to rise from the mattress, pounded on the door until Grumbar let it in. Look quite quite ill then, I'll have you know. But we don't turn folks away, and certainly not someone in as rough a spot as he seems. Would have, wouldn't have bothered you with any of this yet and straight off asked for you, Zoop. You take it aback, 
by Kutzpo's admission, the young man immediately asked for you upon entering the inn. The innkeeper told you that, that he told the young man, who introduced himself as Bildrin, that you might not be back in South Twelkelen for weeks or even months. I'm no huntsman, I'm no expert on poison, but I know that colour anywhere, says Quitsmo, turning to the young man who had only now regained his feet. Take a look at his pale face soup. Almost at once, long before Gutsmore made mention of it, you recognised the stricken young man Baldwin, was likely a victim of the powerful toxin of a cloud-breathed snake, a vicious and deadly reptile more commonly found in the realms south and west of Tulsa. There's a link to the cloud-breathed snake. Cloud-breathed snake. These aggressive, venomous, and trainable grey-scaled snakes bear the unique and alarming ability to spray their deadly poison at their victims in a form of in the form of a rapidly expanding cloud of fine mist. The poison of the cloud breath is slow acting, but its effects are deliberate and deliberating and devastating, and an exposure to the toxin ultimately results in agonising death. Oh dear. <laughs> because they are tradable, these snakes have from time to time been used by assassins. These snakes are more commonly found in the southern reaches of Swift. Okay, this wasn't some random encounter. Somebody wants him dead. Yes. The venom of the cow black, while deliberating and deadly, can sometimes take several days to kill human-sized prey. This usually only serves to prolong the suffering of anyone unfortunate enough to be afflicted with the poison. Soup, says Belgium, his voice wavering as he dips into a shallow bow. You must hurry, for I fear there isn't much time. Disregarding what he said for a moment, you ask him how he came, came into contact with a snake as uncommon as the cloud breath. Noticeably trembling as he speaks, Bodrum tells you that ill luck on a trek out of a patch of forest on the northern edge to the Hart Hills landed him in the path of the deadly snake. But luck hasn't been what it's always was of late, sighs the young man, whose face still plainly invokes the severe, severe discomfort that even speaking involves. I was just cut loot from that cup. My... Never mind. I just got an out of a bit of a tight spot and figured myself to be free and on my way when I crossed paths with a snake. Baldwin tells you the cloud breath was quite aggressive and that before he knew what was happening, he found himself gagging on a thick blast of the creature's venomous breath. 
young man suddenly flashes a glance at Goodsmore and politely asks the innkeeper to step out of the wood so he may speak privately with you. Goodsmore grumbles something but steps back into the common room, leaving you and Bildrin alone. Bildrin, who describes himself as an adventurer, tells you that for the past three days he's had one of strange misfortunes culminating in the encounter with the snake at the edge of the forest. You see, he says, lowering his voice, seems to have grown somewhat stronger. I was on my way to Drithic, seeking out a man by the name of Deathwind, who I have to believe is somehow tied in with all this bad luck. You see, Soap, I found this in the woods three days ago. The young man hands you a small, filled scrap of paper that bears the following scrawled wounds. Deathwind, Trithic, Tamara. The hair on the back of your neck stands on end as your eyes glance back over the world tower where, scrawled in almost the exact centre of the scrap of paper, you immediately ask, ask Bodwin where you obtained the note. There's a link for Tamomare, which will probably explain why Zook is so concerned. Tamomare. The Wooings of Tamomare is a special replayable adventure scenario where Adventure Guild members fight alongside one another as they strive to compete a powerful greater demon Zarak and his vile minion. The Lost Temple of Tamara also commonly referred to as the Wooings of Tamara, as well as just Tamara, is a fixture in the many legends of the North Borderlands. According to the ancient legends, Tamara was an ancient Vorathian temple in the heart of an enchanted forest. The temple itself and the ground that surrounded it are said to be invisible to all but mighty all but mighty Voranthian sorcerers instructed it, and who worshipped an unnamed deity in its guarded sanctum. It has long been believed that a treasure trove of ancient arcana and lore lies buried in the remains of the lost temple, which is, which, as the legends tell it, was mysteriously destroyed at the end of the Age of Storm with the wounds of Tamara still with zest. Some would say if they ever existed, it is likely the site is still protected by powerful magic that rendered invisible to all but the Vorathian sorcerers who so long ago built it. Ooh, that'll be a fun place to go to. Alright, no. Bretham tells you that three days ago he came upon the remains of several Kuin in the woods in the northern region of the Hart Hills. He tells you the bodies of seven rose Kuins, a couple of them half-eaten, were strewn about the remnants of a camp not far inside the forest. Goblins, maybe. Oh, Charles, she's more likely. He says, making reference to the fate he believes befell the Corwind in the encampment. I didn't linger there, but I did 
find that note in one of their pockets. Like you, Zoop, I took particular interest in the mention of Tamara. Even before the young man had mentioned it, you have formed your own conclusions. It's obvious to you the current who were slaughtered in their camp were searching for the ruins of Tamara. The fabled lost temple that supposedly still hold law and arcanum, lost to the ages in its ancient halls. And, says Bruin, as if he's reading his thoughts, it's plain to see that the current won their way to Twithic to find someone by the name of Deathwin. An accomplice, maybe? Perhaps someone who knows how to find Tamara? Your eyes drift away from the note, back to the young man's pale, ashen, sweat-straight face. You suddenly realise that there is every possibility that this encounter with the cloud breath, a snake in no way common to these parts, was not accidental. Well, as you can well enough see for yourself, as you can well enough see for yourself, I'm not fit for a trick to terrific, says Brodrin, who breaks into a violent fit of coughing and that momentarily leaves him breathless. <coughs> so like that, but better. <laughs> when he composed himself enough to continue, he embarks on what sounds like a surprise. Sounds surprisingly like a guilty profession. I'm an adventurer, Zoop, he says. But I'm no hero. Not by anyone's account. I've had my share of troubles here and there. But I can tell you honestly, I've no love for the current. I've seen too much of their wickedness about. Be willing to let this slant and... I was on my way to Trithic to find out what I could about all of this. Who knows? Maybe there'll be even a bit of profit to be had from it. You immediately find yourself in agreement with much of, much of what the young man said, particularly with regards to the Corrand. The Corrand are bent on discovering the ruins of the Temple of Tamara, can only be for the furthering of their evil ends. Something that certainly bodes ill for the West of humanity. Before Beldrin can again speak, you tell him that you will make the journey to Twithic to find out what you can about this business. You make note of the name Deathwin and vow to discover exactly how the person bearing this name fits into this matter. Well then, I've done what I could, says the young man, as a quivering smile stretches across his cracked lips. I'll go with you, but it's very likely I'll never leave this in. As pitiful as such a notion might be, I don't think I'm getting any better. Bodron suddenly erupts into another violent fit and coughing, that ends with a spin stream of blood pouring, running down his mouth and over his chin. His breathing becomes quite laboured, 
he winces. The man who seemed to have stumbled upon some sort of sinister plot involving the Quarant appears to be getting worse before your very eyes with each passing moment. You might begin to think that his notion of never leaving the Goblin Claw might indeed prove prophetic. Or it would if I didn't have restoration above the level of 50. Which I do. So I can do something about this. Call upon power. Succeeded. 8xp to restoration. Though you can see no outward change. Make a sickly pallor. You feel as if your magical healing powers began to slowly combat the venom that still courses through the young man's body. Baldwin thanks you for your valiant effort and tells you he will continue to do his best to fight off the effects of the poison. I've got lots that needs to be done, he says, smirking. My time will have to wait just a bit yet. You wish Belgium well and tell him that you will pray he has a full and speedy recovery from the effects of the snake's deadly toxin. He again thanks you and tells you to take care on the road. You I sort you sort out the white person, he says, as you turn to leave the womb at the back of the inn. I never had any doubts about that, so and I'm glad I found you. Well, you see, Mullock's taken a turn for the better. Though it's just a bit late for that. You tell him not to give up hope and to await your return. He nods and watches you depart. Just outside the womb, womb you nearly walk into Grutzmull, who's returning with a bowl of bread and cheese for the stricken, self-described adventurer. He stops you, tells you more than once to be careful. Pay no further mind about him, he says, jerking his head in the direction of the womb you've just left. I'll tend him well enough. He'll be wise as you please if he gets enough of our food with him. Um, maybe just a touch of ale. Just a touch, though. You mind yourself now, if you're heading out, Soup. You bid Gutsmall farewell and start to head off across the common womb towards the front door. To only a few steps, you turn and glance back at the small room housing Brudwin, the ashen face of the young man. He's turned in your direction. His wary eyes are fixed on you. You hope to find him still alive when you return. As you step out of the inn, you know that you must at once set out for Twithick and seek out the man Brudwin spoke of. A man by the name of Deathwind. You realise you should at once set out for Twithick and seek out the person mentioned in the note found by Broodwin. A person by the name of Deathwind. Okay. South Torglen, Southwest Tulsa, Western Tulsa, Twithick. It was a lot easier for me than it was for Zoop. While moving through South Todd Glen, en route to Trithic, you encounter a band of rugged highwaymen. You're somewhat surprised when the rugged band of six highwaymen give you a wide berth 
making no attempt to waylay you. Seems you've earned a rather fearsome reputation among the various groups of brigands that prowl the wild. A reputation these outlaws seem unwilling to put to the test. Now I wonder, did the Koran just say, slip a few, slip a bit of gold to these hiding that says, if Zoop comes past, stop him. Stop him good. There will be more gold if you bring me his head. And of course they took the gold, but, well, they are highwaymen, so... <laughs> you can't exactly expect people who, who steal and rob and beat people up to be... to be... to, to you know, keep to a contract. Alright, I'm going to attack. I can ignore the bandits, attack the bandits. Despite their initial wariness, the six highwaymen appear willing to engage you. As though, but it's a lot of gold! As you bear down on the rugged band, the leader of the brigands retreats to the rear of the mounted company and angrily orders his men to dispatch you. Without delay, the five mounted robbers ride forward to meet your attack, with the bandit leader watching from a safe distance. You bravely engage the first of the attacking highwaymen. The mounted highwayman slashes you with a sword and is slain. To XP, the mounted highwayman slumps forward, then topples from the saddle, landing in a bloodied heap at the feet of his horse. Quickly prepare to engage the next of the rugged brands. Hail sharply as you position show to engage the next of the attacking highwaymen. Quick combat. That's two. Falls off, 1 XP, number 3, quick combat, 1 XP, fail, and last of, you boldly engage the last highwayman, quick combat, 2 XP. The mounted highwayman slumps forward and then topples from the saddle, landing in a bloodied heap at the feet of this horse. Only the leader of the wagged band remains. 64 XP to general, hmm, pretty good. You turn to confront the leader of the bandits, only to discover the cowardly brigand has taken flight. As the fleeing brigand disappears from view, you conclude that you have to be content to let him go. Despite his escape, you take comfort in knowing this particular band of thieves will no longer plague this region. And I find some loot. None of it's worth taking. And eight gold. With no no sign of any more highwaymen in the immediate vicinity, you spend a few moments checking over equipment before once again resuming your journey. Okay, I am now in Twithick. You're confident that somewhere in the city you will find the person named Deathwin. Shed some light on the strange circumstances that have brought you here. Okay. Hmm. Explore this reading notice. Okay, explore the city. Explore the city streets. Alright. 
Alright, I'm, I'm just going to ask around for Detherin. After a somewhat lengthy trek, you happen upon that which you seek. The shop of Detherin the Mapmaker. Hmm. wonder who I asked. Did I just look him up in... Uh, well... Maybe... The tax rolls? Yes, they'll have a list of everyone, won't they? Maybe those. Guided by the advice and direction of several friendly townsfolk, you find your way to the shop of Deathering the Mapmaker in an out-of-the-way corner in the eastern quarter of the city. When you first set foot inside the small but well-ordered shop, it appears to be empty. Suddenly, a ragged grasp from a small room at the back startles you. Before you even started to move in that direction, a grey-haired man steps into view and greets you with a quick nod and a steady, unsteady wave. As the man steps closer and raises his eyes to meet your stare, your heart skips a beat. The ashen pallor of his countenance and the hollowness behind his wary gaze mirrors the haunting look you witnessed only a few days ago on the face of Baldwin in the Goblin Claw Inn. He opens his mouth as if to speak, but suddenly stumbles forward. You rush ahead and take hold of him, keeping him on his feet and allowing him the chance to regain his balance. The great headman thanks you as he leans against the table in the middle of the room and steadies himself. You introduce yourself to the map maker, and his eyes open wide upon hearing your name. He tells you his name is Detherwin, and he's he's had a rather trying day, and an exceedingly unfortunate stroke of ill luck. Your pulse quickens when he tells you he was attacked by a cloud-breathed snake only a few minutes ago. Oh no, yep, yeah, it's the Corund. It has to be the Corund. The very mention of the snake opens up an entirely new set of dark possibilities with regard to the business you, you seem to have found yourself embroiled in. You're certain the encounters that Bodrin and Deathwin had had with the wear and deadly reptiles are acts of attempted murder, sinister, calculated measures employed by a sophisticated enemy. An enemy like the Corund. There are many, there are many from around this way who haven't heard of you and your adventures. So, he says, seemingly forgetting the gravity of the situation for a moment. You've made quite the name for yourself in these parts. You nod, politely acknowledging his expressed sentiment and then quickly asks the massmaster if he had any visitors to his shop. He tells you that he has two men, perhaps an hour ago, he says, his body trembling slightly. They asked me about a recent discovery I made. In fact, it's a combination of nearly a decade of research and study. I had imita imitated discovery to only a handful of close associates. Though I have since learnt the danger inherent in such eagerness. 
discovery is something I'm certain would be of great interest to one with your adventurous spirit, Zoop. It is the location of the long-lost ruins of Tamara. <sighs> Leaning against the table in the centre of the room, Deathwind tells you it's only a short while ago. Two old, two men enter his shop, seeking the location of his ruins. I had a a very uneasy feeling I had about them too, he says, exhaling sharply and momentarily placing his hand across his chest. They use the name of the associate of mine, a fellow man of maps, who toils on the other side of the city, mostly working for the Vane. I very much doubted their story, of course, for it's quite well regarded in these walls. And no one need, and one need not know, know him, to know of him. You learn the two men told Diffin they were eager to examine the wounds of the ancient temple for purposes of historical research. Looking back on it, it was certainly foolish to show them location, he says somewhat sheepishly, although... They showed no aggression towards me. Something inexplicable told me that dire consequences would follow any refusal. In the back of my mind, I still hold out hope my associate had sent them my way. Though I realise now for certain this could not be the case. Tethwin tells you that soon after the pair left, <coughs> with full knowledge of the location of the long-hidden ruins of Tamapa, he began to deeply regret parting with the ancient lore for which he had so long and diligently hunted. He immediately decides to set out and ask his associate if he had indeed sent the men to him. But it was then, in the back room of his shop, that he encountered the deadly cloud breath. While I cursed my ill fortune after being caught in the snake's breath, I never saw the possible connection between the two men who only recently left my company and the appearance of the venomous creature, he says. It is only it is now only too plain. They were connected. These ruins sought to make s those men sought to make certain. I told no one else about the location of the ruins. Deathwin is suddenly seized by a violent fit of coughing, in the wake of what seems, which he seems both weaker and paler. He steadies himself against the edge of a scroll-filled shelf and takes several deep, ragged breaths. You realise the powerful venom of the cloud breath is continuing to wreak havoc on his body. Use restoration. 50 plus is needed, and I have that, and then some. Use it. Call upon it. Succeeded. 8xp to restoration. Though you can see no visible change in its gaulish pallor, 
You feel as if your magical healing powers have begun to slowly combat the venom that still courses through the MacMaper's body. He thanks you for your valiant effort on his behalf. With the pallor of his face coming paler, his breathing growing somewhat more ragged, Deathwin retrieves a map of the Heart Hills of Southwet Talsa and tells you the location of the ruins of Tamara. I warn you to take care should you venture that way, he says between laggard breaths. I know only of two men who visit me. Of course, it is likely they have confederates. Something is not right with it. They seek to set foot tomorrow for reasons I care not to guess. Gazing down at the map spread before Deathwin, you take note of the location beneath his finger. A thick swath of forest on the northeast edge of the Heart Hills. It is here, in the midst of that tangled wood, according to that maker, that you will find the ruins. Anyone familiar with the legend Samara knows it was hidden from the eyes of Theon Murphy, protected by a powerful wraith of magic that makes it invisible. He says, gasping out the words as you remember, as the remainder of the colour drains from his face. You must kneel before the great wooden face in the forest to reveal the temple. For you're familiar with the legend of Mara and the great wooden face which Mara has mentioned. Dismayed to learn, he does not know its precise location. Assures you, however, it must be near to the ruins if the legend is to prove true at all. You thank the map maker after making certain he is comfortable and fetching a local healer to see to him. You set out on your way, eager to leave Twithick, return to South Trod Glen where this strange business began. As you make your way towards the city gates, you privately play, pray for the full and speedy recovery of both Deathwin and Bildwin. Okay, back to the South Trod Glen. Southwest, Tulsa, South Trod Glen, Goblin Claw Inn. Here we go. Enter the inn. As you're as you're about to enter the inn, the sound of something dragging itself across the ground behind you sends your pulse racing. You spin around and are horrified to discover a large, grey-scaled, cloud-breast snake snivelling rapidly up the path towards you. The vicious, hissing creature suddenly rears back and stretches wide its fanged jaws as it prepares to unleash a deadly cloud of venom. Alright, I have a lot of options here. I could use... Conjuration, illusion, woodsmanship, archery, shadow magic, elementalism, fortification, or telekinesis. Hmm, I'm not exactly sure how woodsmanship will help. I'll give that a go. 
Successfully used your woodsmanship skill. 16x speed to woodsmanship. Utilising a well-known trick employed by Western woodsmen. You begin to make slow, rhythmic movements with your left hand. The, the movements immediately attract the snake's attention. And as the creature slivers slowly towards your left, you strike out with your, your right hand and seize it just below its head, crushing its neck and killing it instantly. Bye-bye, snake. Bye-bye. I mean, I would feel bad about this, but you tried to kill me. Ah, uh, if only you weren't, if only you weren't trained by assassins. Then you could just spend your time just wandering around wherever it is you're actually native to, hunting whatever it is that you normally hunt, as long as it's not people. And, you know, just, just being a regular snake. But someone kidnapped you, put you in a crate, and probably did all sorts of bad things to you to train to train you to attack on attack people. Yes. Bye bye, snake. Bye bye. You carefully pick the t up the tattered carcass of the dead snake and toss it into the woods at the end of the road. After taking a few moments to look around and make certain no, no more of the scaly predators are lurking nearby, you make your way into the inn. You've made it only to the steps of the comm room when you find yourself face to face with Quidsmill, the notorious innkeeper, whose facial expression betrays nothing, motions for you to follow him into the room at the back of the inn. You're both taken aback and overjoyed to find Brudrian up and about, with much of his colour having returned, with his skin no longer bearing the sickly, ashen grey hue. The young man looks to be an almost perfect specimen of rugged vitality. He quickly strides up and meets you in a shoulder cross. Gritsmull steps back out of the room, leaving you alone with the young man, who seemed to have made nearly a full recovery. After thanking you repeatedly for saving his life, the young, self-described adventurer listens with great interest as you relate to him your encounter with Deathwing Trithic, and you mention your own running with a cloud-breathed snake just outside the inn. You seem both shocked and immediately fearful. Whatever is at work here is well beyond my own modest abilities, he says somewhat apologetically. I came here seeking you, Zoop, and whether or not it is to your liking, I must leave this matter in your capable hands. Perhaps there's nothing more to be done with it. Though I imagine you have your own thoughts on it. At length, you take your lead of Beldrim, who tells you he will remain at the inn until he feels well enough to set out for Trithic, his original destination. He wishes you luck on your travels and again thanks you for saving his life. In turn, you wish him a swift, swift completion to his recovery and jokingly admonish him to stay clear of saints. Do you have the feeling there was unfortunately more practicality to your playful warning than you would like? Don't worry, 
I'll see to it he's strong on his feet before, before he's out the door. Quinn's quits small, pushing pa- past you into the room, carrying a steaming bowl of stew. This stew ought to put... put to put some bounce back in your stride, young fellow. Either that, or kill you out, right? You can never tell with the stew. You bid the innkeeper and Baldwin farewell, and set off on your way. 128 experience to restoration. Yes. And someone is alive. Who who would have died. Definitely would have died without restoration. I mean, that stew was probably pretty good, but I don't think it can hold off death. Outside the inn, you pause and gaze about the rather tranquil scenery that surrounds you. Seems in stark contrast to the spectre of the sinister affair, into the mist of which you seem to have directly landed. Despite your misgivings about the shadowy nature, na- 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 nature of the episodes connected with Delphine's discovery of the Winter Tomorrow, you quickly resolve the only way you can ever hope to get to the bottom of the events is to pay a visit to the wounds yourself. While you are in no way a journeyman adventure and have laid your eyes upon countless things, both wondrous and terrifying in your travels, you feel it would be quite some time before you get to the chilling sight of the pale, ashen faces of Bildwar and Detherin. The ghoulish hue of their skin as their bodies slowly succumb to the ravaging effects of the venom coursing through their veins seems to hint at a dark, murderous plot that stretched all the way from the bustling streets of the Alderstone to the heart of South Todd Glen. Two hundred and 56 experience to general. Now, finishes this adventure, although the real part comes later, armed with the knowledge of where to seek ruins of the ancient Vorathian Temple of Tamara, you will now be able to access the special ruins of Tamara multiplayer with playable scenario. Look for the ruins of Tamara in the Heart Hills region of southwest Telsa. Alright. Time to do that. Hard Hills. There's a lot of places there. But currently, a tangled swath of forest. Well, that's new. This is a tangled swath of forest. You arrive at the location indicated by Deferin, the map maker, as the location of the ancient ruins of Tamara. Dense woodlands stretch out before you, however, offers few clues as to the location of the legendary temple. With only the vague notion of need to find a great wooden face by which to reveal the wounds, you step back and allow your eyes to wander the edge of the forest. Your pulse suddenly quickens as you notice something at the top of the trees ahead. The tips of several towering ancient oaks in the primers of the wood have come together, their garled branches entwining to form the unmistakable and unnerving image of 
a sinister, leering face. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that, that's some pretty impressive magic to keep the trees, to keep that, to keep that face for thousands of years. And not to have the, and to not have these faces turn up all over the place by accident. Have one face, and honestly, that thing's that's longer than trees live. Well, oak trees. I mean, I mean, if if, if they're doing this with bristlecone pines, yeah, that that they could keep the face for that long because those things can live for ten thousand years or so. Also, yew trees. Yew trees can live for a heck of a long time. Although by the time they get that old, they barely look like trees at all. Because they just get broader and broader and broader. And then the, the middle just disappears. And that's assuming they weren't made into longbows to shoot Frenchmen. Which is what happens to a lot of yew trees. Kneel before what you perceive to be the great wooden face. 64 XP, the general. Alright, I'm on the right track. Certain that you've discovered what Deferon referred to as the great wooden face, you drop to one knee while facing the leaning oaks, those upper branches and trying to form the strange and somewhat unsettling image. At first, nothing happens. But as you're about to return to your feet, a swift wind picks up out of the east and roars through the trees. Your vision momentarily blurs, and when the scene before you finally comes back into focus, you are stunned to find a dark arch formed by leaning trees now exists beneath the leering wooden face. Dust... Just inside the southern edge of the swift arc of swath of forest, in the northeast corner of the Hart Hills, you stand before the tall arts created by several towering, leaning oaks that offer passage into the tangled wood. Top of the arch, formed out of the intertwined branches of the ancient hardwoods, is the unmistakable image of a sinister leering face proceed north beneath the arch you stand at the southern edge of the ancient ruins of Tamara cracks and crumbling blocks of mossy stone and and shattered intricately grey columns that only serve to hint that a small portion of the temple's former glory lies scattered across the tangled forest floor the grand, formerly towering monument of a sword-wielding warrior, once erected in honor of an ancient, forgotten Vorathian hero, lies on its side amidst the thick patch of bramble. The wide, lifeless eyes of the great statue stare out at you on the thorny vines that now ensnare the fallen monument. Your exploration of the ruins is suddenly interrupted by an unwelcome encounter. Stepping out of the forest gloom ahead is a small contingent of armoured ghouls. The hideous, rotting, undead figures lurch unsteadily towards you, moaning loudly 
as they, bra as they brandish rusted iron spears. You plant your feet and prepare to square off against the long dead guardians of the ancient temple. It's two armoured ghouls just going to give these a bash. They thrust their decayed spears at you. Brutal stroke, nine damage, but they are slain. Seven XP. You step back from the remains of your enemies. Dutifully check over your equipment, but while scouring your surroundings for any further sign of lurking pelt, without further delay, you once again set off through the ruins of Tamara. Okay, go northeast or northwest, I'll go northeast. The far eastern corner of the ruins is a vine-entangled yard of statues. Dozens of life-size statues, many of them toppled and smashed, fill this broad patch of stony ground. The waist-high wall of stones that once surrounded the yard has long since crumbled and is now little more than a scattering of flat stones in small piles around the perimeter. You curiously note that many of the statues, both the standing and the fallen, bear horrific expressions on their faces that seem to speak of pain and torment. Ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm not sh I'm, I'm leaning towards just the god that was worshipped here, not being the god of fluffy kittens. And probably not being the sort of god that you'd probably like 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 to manifest in this world. Probably a rather nasty god, in fact. The sound of movement some from where behind makes your blood run cold. A, a spine chilling shriek rises into the air as a small band of robed Rotting on dead, stagger into view. These long dead acolytes faithfully served the masters of the ancient temple when they walked among the living. A task that has followed them into and out of the grave. You assume a defensive stance and prepare to engage these frightful undead beings. It's a rotting acolyte. Begin combat. Tremble, uncontrollable rage as you assail your foe. Your god is dumb! It's a dumb god! It's not worth serving forever! The ghoulish undead acolytes stab at you with, the, with stone daggers. And it is slain. 7 XP. You step back from the remains of your enemies and dutifully check over your equipment while scouring your surroundings for any further sign of lurking peril. Without further delay, you once again set off on your way through the ruins of Tamara. Follow a path heading east through the rubble, okay. The narrow path leads you to a large open area on the far eastern edge of the ruins. In the middle of the clearing sits a massive heap of rubble that appears to have been, been a building of some sort in the temple's more glorious days. Having seen little of interest here, you're about to turn and head back to the west when a sound from behind signals the arrival of danger. You spin around 
and find two black robed, hooded figures emerging from the head of the path out of which you passed only moments ago. A wayward brother? Or a wretched thief? snarls the taller of the two figures, raising his head to reveal the wrinkled face of an elderly man beneath the black hood. A hero, perhaps? Zazrak's coming cannot be stopped! The mighty servant of Joreth will rise and rise again! Before you can respond to the elder Cohen, the world figure next to him raises his gaze to meet your own, and you're taken aback to behold the face of a young woman. The woman sneers and draws a word, draws a sword from beneath her robes. Upon your word, master, she says, never once take your eyes off of you. The older Cohen nods. Before you can react, the woman leaps forward, her blade poised to cut you down. I've got some options. I could run away. Nope, not, not doing that. Hold your ground and face the sword-wielding foe. Or to use shadow magic, telekinesis, fortification, or archery. I'll use shadow magic. Because it's the Kuns you'd know. There are far worse darknesses than them. It succeeded. 16x speed to shadow magic. You summon your power of shadow magic and a lone whisper enters your head. A web of gloom stretches out in front of you and promptly snares the leaping Cohen swordsman. Your foe, your foe's horrific screams fill the air as she's crushed to death inside the mesh of shadow before being unceremoniously dumped onto the floor at your feet. <laughs> you step back from the remains of your slain foe and turn to face the elder Corrand, only to discover he's no longer in sight. Puzzled by his swift and unseen departure, after no desire to linger here even a moment longer, Decide at once to head back west along the path. Alright, back to the scary statue's place. Out of the corner of your eye, you catch sight of sinister shapes stepping out, merging from the gloom of the forest. Stepping out of the forest gloom ahead is a small contingent of armoured ghouls. The hideous, rotting undead figures lurch unsteadily towards you, moaning loudly as they brandish rusted iron spears. You plant your feet and prepare to square off against the long dead guardians of the ancient temple. It's two armoured ghouls. The armoured ghouls thrust their decayed spears at you. And are slain. 7xp. You step back from the remains of your enemies. And dutifully check over your equipment. While scouring your surroundings for any further sign of the lurking peril. Without delay, you once again set off through the ruins of Tamara. Alright, going northwest. 
you stand before a decayed set of mangled iron gates. The thick bars of the ancient portal are bent and twisted into unnatural directions and have been forced apart, making the war once fearsome barrier little more than a grim reminder of a more glorious past. Okay, what sort of beast could just bend iron? Maybe they brought a siege weapon in? That would probably do. I mean, they, it doesn't, they don't, it don't, not necessarily that they summoned a huge monster. Your eyes are drawn to the top of the gates, where you note with revulsion that several human skulls have been skewered upon the sharpened tips of the thickly warped bars. So I can head north through the destroyed gates, or I could go southwest or southeast. I've already been to the southeast, so I'll go southwest. A wide, dark pool of still, frigid water dominates the western side of the ancient ruins. The shallow, rectangular body of water, perhaps 50 yards long and nearly half as wide, bears not even the slightest trace of disturbance upon its unmoving mirror-like surface. I can follow a narrow path leading west through the undergrowth. As you stand at the end of a narrow path that leans back to the east through the thick undergrowth that chokes it chokes most, most of the lower ruins. Just ahead stands a long stone building. It appears remarkably attacked. A heavy door, stone and iron, adorned with an engraving that depicts an axe, a sword and a long staff, is set into the middle of the wall directly facing you. Broad stone hatch hangs the white side of the door. The door is closed. Well, I attempt to open the door. A closer examination of the door reveals a small engraving just below the more prominent one. This small carving depicts three weapons, the sword, the axe and the staff, transforming into what appears to be a long, gnarled piece of bone. Attempt to open the door. You grip the stone hatch. An attempt to open the door, much to your surprise. Your fingers have barely brushed the latch when the massive door and stone slowly swings outward, revealing the shadowy interior of the structure that's long guarded. Exercising extreme caution, you step into the darkness beyond. The stench of decay assails you as you gaze upon the shadowy interior of the structure. Suddenly, the flare a single flame illuminates the long chamber in which you stand and your eyes are drawn to an unsettling sight. In the middle of the chamber stands a large oblong stone table. A lone candle burns in the centre of the table casting its bright flickering light into all corners of this shadowy space. Greeted on the opposite side of the table, in high-backed wooden chairs, are three skeletal figures. The hands of each skeleton rest on the table, 
at the tips of their bony fingers, lined by the gathered dust of many centuries, are the faint but distinct impressions of three weapons, a sword, an axe and a staff. In the middle of the table, to the left of the lone candle, you can make out an inscription buried beneath the thick layer of dust. Examine the inscription. You wipe away the dust to make out the inscription on the table, which reads as follows. Of three is made one. Still puzzling over the meaning of the cryptic description, you step back from the table. Approach the seated skeletal figures. With your eyes trained on the three skeletal figures, watching for even the slightest sign of movement, cautiously approach the table. You are at the edge of the table and quickly examine the unmoving skeletal trio before cautiously retreating. Oh, they didn't come to life and try to kill me. Well, come to unlife? Leave the place. You step out the heavy stone door structure, heavy door closes your feet, move back east along the path, go to the northeast. Okay, that's the lower wounds explored, head north through the destroyed gates. You begin a cautious ascent of the narrow path that skirts up the eastern flank of the rubble strewn slope up ahead, atop of the hill can make out the ghostly silhouette of the ancient obelisks that make up the wing of stone. A deep and unsettling silence has draped itself over your surroundings. Remain on your guard as you continue your cautious climb towards the summit. Continue up the path towards the wing of stone. You stand you stand at the very edge of a steep boulder-strewn hill that dominates the middle of the temple ruins. Near the centre of the summit, you make out a broad wing, intricately engraved stone obelisks. The carvings on the standing stones are mainly composed of strange, undecipherable symbols, most likely of ancient Varadhyan origin. For a few engravings depict a hideous, towering winged creature rising out of smoke and fire. Several columns of thick, pungent black smoke rise into the air, seemingly out of the ground at the centre of the ring of stones. Your blood runs cold as the sound of distant, ghostly chanting suddenly reaches your ears. Ventures recently here, me and Morgon Outback, who's a Pretty strong adventure. Alright, view details of the last battle. The great the battle is over for now. The greater demon Zarak is no more. The greater demon was valiantly engaged by a brave band of Swiss most illustrious heroes in a brutal battle that lasted forty two minutes. Here are the names of some of the bravest adventurers who stood against Zarak and the damage they inflicted. Morgan Abdab, Abda, from the account of Mark Hazazel, 
deal 21,003 damage. And that's it. She did it all. She did it all by herself. Uh, I think I think it's pretty close to Yeah, in a few minutes In a few minutes the demon will rise again. Okay, but it's a very dangerous thing to do. But making my way out and eastern side the creepy statue corner your exploration of the wounds is suddenly interrupted by an unwelcome encounter. You immediately recognise the black-robed beings now quickly closing in on you as Kurund, wicked servants of the dark god Jorath. You can only assume their presence in these ancient ruins means some sinister plot is already afoot. With no intention of allowing these wicked men to escape, Perpetuate their evil. You draw yourself into a combat-ready stance and prepare to engage them. It's three black-robed Kurund. The robed Kurund strike at you with their long-bladed knives and are slain. Seven XP. You step back from the remainder of your enemies and dutifully check over the equipment while scouring your surroundings for any further sign of lurking peril. Without further delay, you once again set off on your way through the wounds of Tamara. Alright, nope, nope, no point. Going southwest. It's two armoured ghouls. Again. Same as the last two times. Slay them. 7 XP. Head south of the arch, leave the ruins. Travel to Hawklaw. And save. Okay, so I think actually, hmm, do you want to see the first battle with the demon or not? Hmm. Hmm. Well, since it's so close, I'm just going to pause it for a bit until the demon has actually risen and then I can fight it. Okay, the demon has risen now, so... Back to the wounds. Save again. So that way I can die. I don't lose any progress. And dying is just something that happens. When you're fighting things this big and tough. It's another three prep wounds. I haven't got time. I'm going to quit combat you. In the wake of your victory. An eerie stillness seems to have descended upon the forest wounds. Also 7 XP. Alright. Northeast, northwest, north who destroyed gates, back on. You stand at the very edge of the steep border stoomed slope that dominates the middle of the temple ruins. The fight is on. A fierce battle wages less than a hundred yards from here, in the middle of a ring of obelisks that crown the summit of the treacherous slope. It's the perimeter of the stone wing that some of Swift's greatest adventurers are boldly assailing the demon Zawak, a mighty servant of the Dark Lord Joroth. The thick, 
pungent columns of black smoke rise into the air, assailing your senses with the overpowering stench they bear, and choking out nearly all light that seeps into the forest through the dense canopy of leaves and branches high overhead. According to reports from adventurers returning from the battle, the mighty demon is relatively unscathed. Move towards the battle. You arrive at the feet of the massive black-winged demon and find yourself staring up at the fearsome spectacle of unearthly might that all but defies description. Thick black scales and tufts of long grey hair cover limbs and torso of the hideous demon weaves of black flame flame and columns of dense pungent smoke encircle it as it stares down through large bulbous ebony eyes as the brave adventurer scurrying about scurrying about near the tips of the talon toes with a deafening roar Zarek turns his chilling gaze upon you nearly causing you to turn and flee beneath the oppressive wave of fear induced by the dreadful stare, casting aside the glowing sense of dread that caused your resolve, you bravely engage the demon. It's the greater demon Zarak. Begin combat. The massive black-winged demon swipes at you with his clawed hand, clawed foot, Dealing a bellows with waves as he reaches out for you with his fiery grasp. The massive deep backwing demon swipes out of you with his clawed hand. Zarek turns, chilling gaze upon you, and you feel your every nerve begin to tingle. You manage to resist the demon's attempts to paralyze you. Zarek thrusts his clawed hands towards you, and a broad arc of black lightning leaps through the air, striking you squarely in the chest. You manage to resist the worst of the attack. Just 20 damage. Just 20. <laughs> Alright, just gonna keep bashing it. Face with another immediate threat, your enemy momentarily ignores you. Okay, it's, it's got. As you saw before, it's got about 20,000 health. So even though I've been bashing it for bashing it for 30 rounds, it's still at 98% health. Oh, I just went into battle rage. How convenient. Suddenly feel drained. It siphoned off from somewhere I never reserved. Bashity bash, 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 bash. You spot an opening in the defense of your enemy and unleash a truly devastating attack. 83 damage. Another 83 damage. Another 83 damage. Oh, that was, that was something. Okay, you are forced to retreat. There we are. 1,528 damage in that round. Edge of the hilltop. You've gone only a few yards from the edge of the wing of stones, but you suddenly spot something lying on the ground ahead. Move swiftly up to the object and discover it's an iron sword of unremarkable appearance. Something inexplicable draws you to the weapon, 
decide to pick it up and take it with you. It's an iron sword of Tamara. Weaponry slashing Cumberland Saint. This plain iron sword was once wielded by one of the thief fearsome warriors who guarded the Temple of Tamara. You don't feel quite white right this weapon in your possession. This weapon is of common quality. It does nothing, statistically speaking. Hmm. But that, that door on the west side does a slot for a sword. And an, and an axe and a staff. Hmm, it's probably one of the three parts for that. After taking a few minutes to check over your equipment, you set off at once for the far side of the hill. Okay, I can heal myself quickly. Now I'm going to fight it again. Moving swiftly and steadily through the paths of debris to choke the perimeter of the wing of stones, attempt to close in on a towering figure of Zarak. The mighty servant of Jorath. Pick a random number from 1 to 100. Bonus of 100. 20 from feathery. 20 from woodmanship. 10 from luck. 10 from mind. 20 from agility. 20 from body. Need to get 100 or more. I cannot fail. 158 success. You draw up to the massive black winged demon unseen. All around you, brave adventurers are scrabbling to either engage the mighty servant of Jorath or flee beyond the range of his deadly wrath. Wasting no time, you leap forward, eager to join the assault. Okay, yeah, his saint is slightly wounded. Casting aside a glowing sense of dread that draws at your resolve. So if you bravely engage the demon. Okay. Bashing it some more. Devastating attack. Ignores me. Zarek turns his haunting gaze towards you. And you feel your life force rapidly graining a grey. You're unable to resist the attack. And that's a bad thing. Okay. Just... Just keep bashing, bash, 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 bash. Devastating attack, 53 damage. Life force draining away. A sudden barrage, surge of energy overtakes you and lay a barrage impossibly swift blows upon your enemy. Tries to paralyze me and fails. Okay, forced to retreat. A hundred. Alright, 1052 damage that time. Alright, uh, you can heal at the gates below. Okay, it's pretty much the same from now on. I'm going to pause now and just go into. Unpause it if I win. Or if something else interesting happens. Right, here's something. You've gone only a few yards from the edge of the wing of stones. When you suddenly spot something lying on the ground ahead. You move swiftly up to the object and discover it's an iron axe of unremarkable appearance. Something inexplicable draws you to the weapon. You decide to pick it up and take it with you. It's the iron axe of Tamara. Eight encumbrance, two hands. This fear, two hands, no stats. 
This plain iron axe was once wielded by one of the three fearsome warriors who guarded the Temple of Tamara. You don't quite feel right with this weapon in your possession. Common quality. After taking a few moments to check over your equipment, you once again set off from the far side of the hill. Tweet to the gates below. Alright, back, back. Gonna pause until something else turns up. Alright, here's another thing. You've got only a few yards from the edge of the ring of stones, and you suddenly spot something lying on the ground ahead. You move swiftly up to the object and discover it's a long iron staff of unremarkable appearance, something inexplicable towards you to the weapon. Decide to pick it up and take it with you. It's the Iron Staff of Tamara. Sixteen encumbrance. Two hands. This plain iron staff was once wielded by one of the three fearsome warriors who guarded the temple of Tamara. You don't quite feel right with this weapon in your possession. Common quality. After taking a few moments to check over your equipment, you once again set off for the far side of the hill. Zorak is now substantially wounded. Tweet to the great gates below. Southwest. Path to the west. Open the door. Okay, time to use those items. With your eyes trained on three skeletal figures, watching you in a slight side of movement, cautiously approach temple. Without a clatter of bones to serve as a wounding, one of the fleshless undead table begins to stir. The skeleton seated before the dust impression of the sword rises swiftly to his feet. The skeletal figure seated before the dust impression of the axe rises to his feet. The skeleton seated before the dusty impression of the long staff rises out of its chair. You instinctively assume a defensive stance as the middle of the free skeleton steps forward. The undead being waves his hand across the table. You sense you are being asked to lay down the three weapons you've acquired. Lay the three iron weapons on the table. Well... I was planning on getting rid of them, because they're very heavy. And they don't do anything. So, I'm going to put them here. And maybe I'll get something in, something in return. You slowly place each of the three iron weapons in your possession on the table, setting them carefully into the corresponding dusty impressions. There. The three weapons of Tamara are now gone, and I have a lot more room in my inventory. With the last of your weapons, weapons is in place, the three skeletons, in unison, sink back into the high-backed wooden chairs, and once again, rest their restless hands on the edge of the table. You're beginning to wonder what just what your actions accomplished, when you suddenly spot something lying on the table, just to the right of the lone, flickering candle. Resting on the thick dust <coughs> that covers the surface of the ancient table, just beneath the bright golden glow of the candle, 
It's a long, gnarled finger of bone. The finger could not possibly be that of a human, as it is as nearly a foot long, leading you to believe it is a severed, bony binge of a giant, giant, or some denizen not of this world. There are three distinct impressions that encircle the thickest part of the bone finger. You wonder perhaps there is something that fits into the, the plainly discernible spaces. Despite a growing sense of dread that seems to have suddenly descended upon you, you reach out and take hold of the bone finger. This is the finger of dread, you. This non glow finger of bone is an ancient weapon of great power presented to you by three undead master warriors and wounds to mower. This wand, formerly the finger of a greater demon, become, becomes a wand of unspeakable might when fitted with three oryx bands that once adorned it. The finger must be equipped for a total of three oryx bands before its power can be used in combat. The finger currently bears no oryx bands. The finger is currently a level one and emits a faint erratic hum. As the feeling of dread subsides, you retreat across the chamber and make your way out of the structure, unable to bring yourself to look back in the direction of the three seated skeletal figures. The heavy door closes at your heels. 256 experience to general. Okay, I'm going to go to a safe place. Okay, back in Hawklaw. It's just a convenient place for this. Although, with the travel system the way it is, most places are convenient. Okay, finger of dread. Examine the finger closely. This gold. Yes, this finger must be equipped with a total of three oryx bands. For its power can be used in combat. No arms bands right now. Level 1 emits a faint erratic hum. You may infuse your own general experience into the finger and raise its level up to a maximum of 5. The damage the finger does to enemies when you are used in combat increases with each new level. The Finger of Dread must be outfitted with three oryx bands before it can be used in combat. Once it bears, bears the three oryx bands, it may be used three times before the bands disintegrate. After the bands disintegrate, they must be replaced before the Finger of Dread may be used again. You may only discover the oryx band. Bands for the finger while batting Zarek in the ruins of Tamara. To use the finger in combat, select it from the item drop-down box before clicking on the attack mode for that round. Yep. Important. The finger of dread is a powerful but mysterious instrument of battle. Very little is known about this legendary item. Anyone who seeks to use this artifact against their enemies must know they, that it will likely must know that they will likely be susceptible to a small portion of its fearsome wrath. Yes, so when you use it, 
you suffer a bit of damage as well. Nowhere near as much as the enemy, but something. So don't use it when you're very close to death. Use the Wand of Dragonfire instead in that situation. Because there's no blowback for the Wand of Dragonfire. It's just a much better piece of equipment. Although the Finger of Dread you can get, you don't have to wait two hours between charges. You just have to wait ten minutes and that was a lot easier. Alright, increase the fingers level. It will cost you 4096 experience to increase the fingers level to 2. Do so. Increase its level again. 8192. Increase its level again. 12248 to level 4. Now to level 5 for 16384 experience. Okay, done that. It's level 5 now. But firstly, before I use it, I'm going to get those bands. I'm going to pause while I go to the demon to get the band. You've only gone a few yards from the edge of the ring of stones when a strange sound draws your attention to the powerful wand of bone in your possession. You're taken aback to discover the finger of dread now bears a lone oryx band around its middle. With no time to dwell on this startling development, you quickly resume your fight, fight to the far side of the hill. Guessing the other three bands is pretty similar. So I won't record it, I'll just record what happens when the demon falls. Okay. It's gone down with a final deafening roar. Four broad arcs of black lightning cross the sky as Zawak, the mighty demon Sirius of Jolareth, slowly sinks down into the great weaf of flame and smoke that fills the wing of stones. The bold adventurers positioned at the edge of the wing swiftly fall back as the towering black-winged demon topples into the unseen gate in the centre of the stones from which he sprung. The gruesome battle is at last over. A brave adventurer, that's me, has struck the final blow that sent the demon back to the infernal well of its dark master. As the adventurers who have done battle against the demon continue their retreat towards the edge of the hill, you make a final glance at the wing of stones. Only thin wisps of black smoke remain where the fearsome demon Zawak stood only moments ago. The wake of the brutal fight against Zawak, there are many adventurers in need of help and healing and many more who will never leave the ruins. A strange, almost unsettling quiet has descended, descended upon the forest with the defeat and departure of the demon, though you find yourself wondering if it is indeed gone for good. Alright, Zoach. Zach will be back in 3 hours and 44 minutes.
details of the last battle. Me. I was the only one who fought Demon. It lasted 50 minutes, the fight. And it took, and it took 21,074 damage from me. Alright. And that, that, that's enough of that. Now there is another reason you fight. Oh, three rotting acolytes, just take those down, quick combat. Three armored ghouls, quick combat those. Two rotting acolytes. How many monsters have you got in the temple? Alright, they're all gone now, eerie silence. South through the arch, leave the ruins. Back to Hawklaw. Time to save. And now, because, and probably, probably the main reason you, you fight the multiplayers, well, some of them, anyway, is that you get multiplayer scenario experience rewards. Oh, they're, they're not ready yet. Because, well, there's got to there's got to be some sort of calculation or something. I don't know why it takes so long. I guess maybe the thing that checks whether the demon's dead. Oh, I don't. I have no idea why it takes a while. It's definitely not done manually. Because it happens in the middle of the night. Hmm. Anyway, okay, I'm going to pause for a bit while the rewards are calculated. Okay, now the reward. Well, other than the finger of dread. Ruins of Tarmazak. Standard battle reward. 1,988 experience points to general. Killing blow reward, which you get if you deal the last few blows to the enemy. Or in my case, the all the blows to the enemy. 256 experience to general. And 64 experience to all skills and powers. Which makes these multiplayers a... Uh, Fairly good place to grind all skills and powers, XP, and probably the best one for general. At least if you consider that, there's a pretty hefty reset for for the for other ones, and all they you just they vary a lot. Well, that's something to consider anyway. Anyway, so. That's all this stuff. Okay, so next time, next time, next time, next time. What to do, what to do. Hmm. Let's see. Well, we've already done the adventures in Trithic. Uh, well, Trithic main gate. A friendly reminder in Trithic, perhaps? And then that will unlock another one after that. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that. Nice saving again. Anyway, ta-ta for now. And until then, 
farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.